Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Tonight, once again, we have my podcasting familiar, freelance writer Julian Rabbit Murdoch. Julian, good to have you on the show. You make it sound like I'm a raven that sits on your shoulder or something. That's kind of how I view you, yes. <laughs> uh, we are also joined tonight by freelance writer Kat Bailey. Kat, great to have you here. Well, hello. I get to finally talk about something other than RPGs. I'm excited. Oh my god, Yay. that's so fantastic. We also welcome two other guests tonight, and you'll probably be able to guess what the topic is when you hear it there. Uh, we welcome Ironclad's Blair Fraser and Stardock's Chris Bray who are, predictably enough, here to talk about Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion. Chris Blair, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Hi. Uh, so so this, is the, this is the third expansion for Sins of a Solar Empire. Uh, it is a standalone expansion, and it's kind of a radical overhaul. So I guess where I'd like to start is just, why has Sins of a Solar Empire had such an unusual... Uh, development. Usually by now you'd expect to see a full-fledged sequel. It's very rare you see an RTS sort of incrementally expanded this way. Oh, wow. Start right with the hard questions. Um, After Sins of a Soul Empire original, we weren't even sure what we were going to do. And, you know, Brad and Brian made a really good case that, you know, people love this and, you know, let's just start off with... uh, some ideas. And I mean, some of the stuff that came out in Rebellion was even talked about then, but um, we wanted to stick with really tight themes, something small. And we were experimenting with the business model for micro micro expansions. And um, so you you have all these different uh, constraints and goals. And over the years, it just emerged into different beasts. at one point, there was going to be a, an earlier third expansion, and I mean that's when we were experimenting a lot with the campaign stuff, and uh, that got canceled. But Trinity sales just continued and continued, so we went back and looked at a lot of the ideas that didn't fit into the entrenchment or diplomacy theme type stuff, and they were like, okay, what kind of interesting things can we do with this, and can we find a satisfying theme for it? Um, you know, does Stardock and Ironclad schedules line up with this? And, um, you know, where's technology at? What are prices at? How are we going to deliver it? Like, there's so much has changed in that amount of time that uh, we were just flowing with, with uh, the whole sequence of events. It wasn't, obviously wasn't a planned uh, sequence. Blair, can you give us some insight into what happened to the single-player campaign and what you guys had originally planned? Because I know that was definitely on the wish list for a lot of Sins of a Solar Empire people. Uh, yeah, that is that is uh, that is definitely a popular topic. Um, <laughs> um, I don't really want to go into what we tried because some of it may see the light of day at some point. Uh, just like a lot of the Rebellion stuff was initially put aside, but saw the light of day in the end. Um, but I will say that we don't feel that the campaign is an essential or critical part of the core experience that we were trying to accomplish with Sins. Um, we really look more towards the, the the open sandbox games and a lot of the classic 4X stuff. And I think that our critical and commercial success were two strong votes along with our own internal vote and Stardog's vote that the campaign just doesn't really fit into um, the, the core experience. I mean, 
you you play these multi-hour uh, experiences, and how do you combine that? Like it, it, it's a story within itself. How do you maintain that uh, that story arc across multiple um, levels? I guess or I yeah, I think when you called. when you've got one game session that you know on one of those huge multi-star maps can go for you know. 20 hours i think we had one guy who was playing one for a month um some of that gameplay just doesn't mesh quite as well with the with the campaign and just speaking from the stardock side you know there there people have definitely been vocal about that but um we also want to make sure that anything we're going to do we're either going to do all the way or not at all you know we don't want to half-ass anything so we felt like we wanted to focus really on the um all the polish on the features that were there instead of just kind of spread things out and just do a little bit of, uh, I guess fan service, but not do it all the way, the way it should be done. You know, I, I think one of the things that's, that may, that may be behind that call for a single player campaign though, is that the barrier to entry for new players has always been a little steep in this game. I mean, I remember playing this back in the first betas that you guys were putting out. And pretty much the only way you learned how to play this game was by finding somebody to teach you the game. And, and largely I feel like it's still that way. I mean, the expansion that we're, I mean, if we even want to call it that, I sort of think of it almost as a reimagining of the original game. Um, it, it's more complex, not in the sense that all of a sudden you have to do more micromanagement or anything like that. You haven't added systems that require constant maintenance, but you've added an awful lot of optionality in terms of how people are going to play this game, which kind of paths they're going to pursue. Something as simple as going from, you know, three potential factions to six. Obviously, you've now raised the bar for a new player coming in, and yet those sort of early tutorial missions are largely untouched from the original in terms of the level of depth that they're going into. Do you worry yeah. that you're you're going after a narrower and narrower player base because it is there there's a big barrier to entry here. And I say this as somebody who's constantly trying to get other people to play and teach them the game. And the way I get them to play is I buy them a copy and then I sit on Skype with them for three hours. Yeah. Well, we did put some work into adding some more of the basic stuff into the tutorials. I mean, you're right. The first chunk of them didn't really change because those that aspect of the game didn't change much, but there were some other ones added. Um, but your point still stands that there is a barrier to entry. Um, that's the same problem we faced right from the beginning. And, and it's one of the reasons that we put a ridiculous amount of effort into the user interface, the HUD, uh, the audio feedback systems and everything, or the info cards. Which is still all awesome. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that is still, to me, the the high point of this game is that accessibility from the UI perspective. Yeah. it's. I'm not saying that's an excuse for the, the barrier. It's just what could we possibly do to make it easier? Um, that's kind of where we focused. Um, the other perspective is that there aren't a lot of people making this sort of games, and we we wanted to make the game we wanted to play, and it, it, it just inherently had a certain level of complexity, and we were just kind of hoping that um, everyone who wanted to play this kind of game would would put in the effort to get over that barrier and be rewarded for it. Um, Right. Luckily, enough people did to allow us to continue to put out more expansions. So I want to back up really quickly. Um, you said that when you were talking about the campaign, you said that you don't want to say anything to de- definitive because certain elements might make it into future 
iterations. Um, so what you're saying is that Rebellion isn't the end of Sins of a Solar Empire. We can explore, expect more content going forward. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not the end. Um, Hooray! Yay! <laughs> and there was much it's, rejoicing. Confetti everywhere. Um, Until I, Sins of Soul I, Empire I, Holocaust comes out, at which point that yeah. will probably be there. I had honestly <laughs> expected um, that Rebellion was the end of Sins of a Solar Empire, because, I mean, it's been like five years now, right? And that's a long time to be supporting one game. Uh, sure. Um, I mean... And we're still both Stardock and Ironclad have continuously supported it, like not just these major expansions, but there's been patches, balance updates, uh, minor content adjustments, and everything in between. And it'll, it it will continue. Yeah, um, I feel I feel like I faced the same, almost these same responses after the last one when we we told them that the previous third expansion was canceled. And I'm like, don't worry, like we're still brewing ideas. We still have lots of ideas that haven't been you know, assembled into a, a cohesive unit yet. Um, what I can probably say for sure about moving forward is that this is probably the last iteration on this technology base. Um, internally at Ironclad, we have a whole new base uh, that we've been working on. And a lot of it is what we learned in SINs. And, you know, and also we got to keep up with technology and stuff. Um, there's also been a lot of great new game design ideas that have come out as well that we were using for inspiration. And of course we have books and books of, you know, ideas that just haven't been realized yet. Well, you know, you say all that, but I, I have to tell you that, you know, I, I hadn't played Sin since probably the early betas on entrenchment. So it had been a little bit of a while. Um, and so I jumped back into this with both feet and I, I gotta say, boy, does this game hold up? I mean, for, graphically, you know, I think some of it has to do with the fact that that UI is kind of universal. Right? I, I can't imagine any technology base is going to overwhelm the UI, right? And that, that beautiful simplicity of it. So, um, you know, on the one hand, I'm always happy to hear a developer say they're looking for the next big thing. On the other hand, I almost don't want you to mess with it too much. I mean, sure, when I zoom in on some epic space combat, do I want it to look even prettier and more cinematic than it does? Yeah, whatever. That's That's great. Um, you know, do I want even better 5.1 explosive sound all around me as ships blow up? Yeah, sure, that's all great. But on the other hand, there's a core here that I think the Sins community has gotten pretty protective of. And and I, I feel like you guys have done a good job of sort of nurturing that and not sort of breaking the trust bond that you have, which <laughs> admittedly is a pretty hardcore audience. I mean, this is not casual game players that are picking this game. Yeah. Um, we're very cognizant of that. I mean, even when we were talking about Rebellion, you were like, okay, what can we do here without screwing with the core? We also looked at a, a number of games that came out in the last bit in the strategy area who who were revamps of older ideas and were trying to pick out, you know, that was, that was a bad angle or that was a good angle. Um, and we're like, if we were to do... Well, I got to be careful how I talk about this, but... Um, without giving stuff away, but, you know, the basic idea is, like, what is the core of it, and how can we improve it, and what can we add to it without screwing it? Uh, I think Rebellion was a, a good attempt at that, but uh, going forward, we're going to have to uh, do do more. Uh, we, Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so I can tell you that after five years, I'm still wondering what the heck is up with that race that is chasing the Vasari. I want to know who they are, 
<laughs> and why they're so scary. Are they being chased by the Tyranids for more Hammer 40k? <laughs> they're hey, being you get, chased. <laughs> you, you get to summon the Dark Fleet now. Come on, that's awesome. <laughs> so we should we should actually probably get into what this expansion actually does. Uh, so I think a good way to jump into that would be to ask uh, you, Blair, and you, Chris... You know, as as you were approaching rebellion, what you what you've done here is you've kind of taken the three core factions, and now they have like two distinct aspects. What was the um, you know, could you describe kind of what the uh, you know what the th- what the thinking was b- behind having each faction go into a loyalist and rebel faction? What were, what were sort of the the common features uh, that that you were using to build these two different like uh, aspects to each faction? Nobody will believe my answer, so should I still give the answer? Yeah, come on. <laughs> That's the give best kind us. of answer. Most of most of the design is led by story. Now that sounds crazy from a from a game that doesn't have any campaign, but we've strongly believed that there is a story and a lore and immersion built into all the research subjects, uh, all the specialties of all the factions what their capital ships do, what kind of planets they benefit from the most, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's all there. It's all in there. And you can see that when you go to the lower pages on the forums and you read uh, what other people have written and how they analyze what could be chasing the Vasari. Why is it all pieced together this way? Why does it go from sin's original to entrenchment to diplomacy and rebellion and so on? So when it came to rebellion, we're like... What's going on with the story? Well, the diplomacy's broken down, so we have these different motivations and goals of the different different uh, factions within the core factions. So you've got the the tech re- uh, rebels who want to go xenophobic and kill everything, and the other guys who just want to wall up and forget about everybody else. And the Vasari is like a big chunk of them want to get the heck out of Dodge, and the other ones kind of want to say, let's make a stand and team up with these people. And then the Advent have the ones who they want to continue on their original mission of assimilating everyone and executing their revenge on the tech. And the other guys are like, something's gone wrong with the unity, so we want to purge and renew and go through some sort of rebirth. So just using those high-level story concepts and uh, factional motivations, we derived every single asset uh, and gameplay mechanism from that. That was the seed of everything. Yeah, and it's really cool to see how many people from the forums really key into that. You know, even during the beta phase of Rebellion, uh, I think we had a tech in for the Vasari faction that was a little bit more diplomatically oriented. And one of their original techs was in there for enslaved labor. And a lot of people got really into it. And, oh, hey, that totally doesn't match their lore and all that. So so just like Blair was saying, when you go through all their tech trees, it it tells a story just in the game mechanics. Yeah, I found it interesting. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to back that up by saying, and we did, we missed those ones and the fans were correct and we did adjust it and then did a, a complete review of all the research, old research subjects to verify that they made sense for the story. Is it fair to say that, um, or, admittedly, I've only played the, the tech and the advent um, sides, but the impression that I've gotten is that there's kind of a basic division between offensive and defensive strategy with the rebel side and the 
you know, the loyalist side. Is that fair to say? I mean, I'm sure you went deeper than that, but that that's the image I'm getting. I would say that's definitely the image for the tech. Um, yeah, the always tech is my, so like, much. Main race, that doesn't so. seem like it for the Vis- I play Vasari. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like go that, that far. Yeah, yeah. It, it really only applies to the tech, and I'll, there's a good reason for it. Um, everything we've tried to do with the tech has tried to been uh, to make things very clear because they were like our, our prototypical human or Terran faction. So it's like good, bad, offense, defense. Uh, everything was supposed to be much more accessible and obvious. Uh, it definitely breaks down the most with Vasari and I guess uh, Advent are probably somewhere in between. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, because you have like the, the Vasari Rebels, one of their uh, key technologies, um, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the Vasari Loyalists is all about going mobile, which in and of itself can be used defensively, offensively, um, in all, all sorts of interesting ways. Well, I mean, I think, you know, one of the victories of this, this current game design is you've taken what felt, I, you know, after a couple of years, has felt like a fairly stagnant design, uh, you know, decision where you've got sort of these three different approaches and, and you've really mixed it up. And, and you know, I, and it, the way I know that you've succeeded is that I asked, you know, sort of Twitter, like what questions I should ask and like any comments people had about the game. And I got comments about how much everybody hated at least one of each faction, right? So I mean, everybody, <laughs> yeah. everybody has one thing that they're like, "Oh my god, that's so overpowered." And I did a, did a survey, yeah. and everybody thinks all of them are overpowered. Yes, and which means it's probably pretty close, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, and and you know, it's like I got into an argument with somebody today about whether or not it was more powerful to be able to like immediately drop a phase gate in and bring your whole fleet in as a you know re, a, you know a re, reverse action. Uh, or whether it was more powerful to be able to roll your starship, your uh, star bases in offensively, and I was like, you know what, this is like asking whether Superman or Spider Man's going to win a fist fight. You know, it's just that means you've <laughs> that means you've won. Yeah. So the impression the that I've gotten from some people is that the Vasari are maybe a tiny bit, um, not maybe not as well balanced as say the Advent and the Tech right now. What in, in what way? I'm curious. Well, I'm just. People are saying that they didn't get as much beta time. Um, I'm I only know what I'm going what I see in the forums. I have I know that having fought the Vasari CPU, I had I think fighting the CPU, I've had the easiest time beating the Advent and the hardest time beating the Tech, and the Vasari are somewhere in between. That see that's really that's really interesting because in my experience the uh, the advent are constantly giving me fits because they've got that fucking culture, uh, yeah, that's which my favorite. is just. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad all of a sudden you your ships start disappearing. I mean, God. I'm glad you mentioned the culture because, um, do you feel like you're at a place where you're happy with the culture? Because, um, I know that. For a long time, culture wasn't really working and that it wasn't really strong enough, wasn't taking over planets as quickly as people might have liked. And so just focusing on culture didn't work. Are, are you happy with where you are with culture and rebellion? Right now, I would say that culture is my favorite. Um, okay. I definitely prefer to play Advent Loyalist, and I basically do a culture rush. It's the most entertaining to me to see if I can roll people without you know doing much in terms of fleet um 
It also makes for a pretty interesting counter to some of the uh, Visari, uh, new Visari loyalists. Uh, yeah, planet, exactly. Planet stripping abilities and that sort of thing, which I haven't seen as many people talking about uh, that counter interaction on the forums as I would have expected. Well, this is one of the complaints that I heard about the Vasari specifically was that they're not they're they're really vulnerable in the early game, which I kind of get. But I actually really like that because again, going back to that like that thematic uh, story idea that that you were discussing earlier. Like the Vasari are all about taking start like taking planets from your cold dead hands. And so I kind of like that the Vasari tend to start you know, they, they sort of spool up to power and then they go out and they start stripping planets and with the advent I find that I've got to fight them completely differently. I've got to go, like, you know, journey forth and I can't just take the system I want. I've got to like smoke all the other systems around it so that culture finally peels back. And it's this just this really like it's this really cool asymmetry that seems um, sharpened in a way that it wasn't with Trinity. It's, def- and, and- it's definitely designed to be more exaggerated along key dimensions that each faction uh, I feel, used before. I, I feel like right now, so I'm playing a multi-star game right now, um, eight players. Um, four of them are dead. And my solution to the advent was just I nuked, I nuked their homeworld with two Novalith cannons. Um, uh, but so the culture, <laughs> a classic the, strategy, really. God, I love this game. The culture, the culture remains. I can't get rid of it, and I can't. And like I've gone, I've gone into their worlds and tried to blow up all of their temple of communion or whatever, and I just cannot seem to clear out that culture, which makes half of the galaxy like or half my solar system uninhabitable. And then I went to the other star. Um, to start taking on other opponents, and I discovered that it was just impossible to settle anywhere because uh, because the culture Their had taken culture over dominates. over there. So I felt like I was at a stalemate because there was just no way to establish a beachhead. Yeah, which actually we we ran into uh, that a little bit, and then actually it turned out for for our game we were playing. Uh, this is just a couple weeks back. We were playing a uh, pretty big co-op game. It was like five of us uh, versus five. Uh, I forget exactly what level the AI was, but pretty hard on like one of the huge multi-star maps. Um, and it actually kind of turned out cool where we were almost playing like class base. I was playing Advent, and I was the culture guy pushing back the culture so that then you know my buddy could come in with the Vasari loyalists and strip planets and that sort of thing. Um, but I, I can see how that could be an issue in a in a single player game if you're not focused yeah, on those tanks or you Cer- haven't built up those media hubs or whatnot. I I've yeah. built up those media hubs and I have maxed out my culture on the technology tree and it's like at a stalemate. Like the tech the culture is not moving. This this does he not does the advent player not have planets? Because if he doesn't have is, pl- the, the culture will dead. naturally deplete. Okay, well, I've nuked every almost every one of their planets. Have you have you scouted them? Because does does culture still appear until you scout and show it is gone? Yeah, it's probably yeah. The the fog of war may not have updated it if you haven't fully viewed everything. Oh no, I've been I I've had a huh. scout just sitting on the planet that I want. Did and we just the find a bug? Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna edit this part out, right? <laughs> <laughs> They were a huge. They were a huge empire until I nuked their homeworld. So they've got. I I don't know. It's either a bug or there's there's planets still pumping out culture um, that you can't find yet. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I've so never if I seen blow it. Up their, if I blow up their world, will um, will the will the Temple of Comedians stop pumping out culture? Yes. Okay, it didn't seem like that, but maybe I should like look back into it again. In which maybe case, that might make time. it a little easier. Yeah. Okay. And we're, we'll always take a look. If you want to send the save game along, it only takes us a few seconds to load it up and say, this is what's happening. It definitely sure. takes time for that stuff to recede, though. Just uh, like, you know, if you, if you nuke out a planet or whatnot, it'll recede over a, over a relatively long period of time as opposed to just turning off like a light switch. I mean, I, I've yeah. definitely had the culture thing give me fits, uh, which is why I just generally like treat the advent as, you know, it's almost like cockroach infestation. Like you exactly. see one, you got you know, you just basically got to take the wall apart now and uh, go after <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, That's a good analogy. Like, I'm still not sure how to establish a beachhead in the next star, but my, I, I, my idea, and I'm not sure if I can do this, is to destroy the pirate homeworld on that, in that system. And then colonize the pirate homeworld. Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, there's actually yeah, a hidden tre- there's a treasure if you get it. I thought so. Uh, yeah, I think it's... that might be the only way to establish a viable beachhead, so I can start making more on <laughs> yeah. the next yeah. the next. They have. I think it's called the pirate's booty or something like that, and it gives yeah. you a big big boost of credits. Yeah, okay. it's super fun. I mean that that that's been in the game for a while because I remember the first time that happened, right? Um. One thing I I wanted to definitely talk about was the diplomacy system, which has gotten so much more nuanced over the years, right? And you've tweaked it a lot. I mean, it wasn't just the launch of diplomacy that you know put it in the game. Um, it's it's definitely evolved over time. And you know, my preferred way of playing this game is generally something like a four v four comp stomp, or very rarely a four v four multiplayer game if you can actually get eight people to spend five hours with you. Um, and and one of the things that I found so interesting diving back into this was that you actually have to really think about your interpersonal relationships dipl- diplomatically on your own team. And that I found really fascinating and a, a really unique piece of strategy that I had not seen in a long time. It felt much more like playing Diplomacy the board game. Uh, oh, than- I love that game. Than, than playing Sins of a Solar Empire because all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. You know, because of where I like, I just had this game last weekend where, because of where we ended up on the map, it was obvious I should be the guy who went for a boom economy because I had, you know, guys defending me. Um, but I was playing Vasari Rebel, which is not necessarily the boom economy place. And they have big negative, uh, there's a, it's a lot of work to get the Vasari Rebels to be good diplomatic trade partners with everybody in the universe. That's just sort of not naturally yeah. what they do. And and so I actually had to sort of do this whole rear guard action in my in my development to simply be able to get rid of all these resources I had. I mean, I was sitting on tens of thousands of everything, unable to unload them with certain of my own teammates. And I found that to be really interesting. And I was wondering whether when you were developing these diplomatic systems, you were thinking about it in terms of that kind of combined race team play or whether that's just sort of a happy accident. Uh, no, it was definitely considered. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of data that controls the relationships uh, between originally in diplomacy for, between the three factions. Like, uh, and then when we went to split it up, we're like, well, who likes more? Who? Or, or, so, right. Who likes more? More and less? And, and w- there's a lot of debates over like to what extreme and what are the modifiers on that. Um, it, 
it right. Was it's, it seems like some people really are never tricky, going to be actually. Exactly, like the the advent who are on the the hellbent revenge streak against the tech ha- probably have the worst modifier. Yeah, uh, uh, I could see that. Between you know, it just and Vasari loyalists who want to get the heck out of Dodge and the hell with everyone else have a pretty uh, nasty uh, uh, relationship with everyone as well. Um, and again, that that all comes back to the story. That's what guided the design on that as well. Um, the original Sins of a Solar Empire, I one of my strategies was to frequent, frequently, I would pick out one computer player and just do all of their missions so that they would like me and then um, ally with them so that I would have someone to help me out. Um, but I feel like diplomacy is a little hazy now because I... Even when I even when I research the ability to give missions, I'll like try to bribe uh, CPU players, but they just go back to hating me really fast. Um, is there... <laughs> no, they seriously don't do. Take, like, don't take it really, personally. They no, all that's... really hate me, and I'm like, what did I do? Um, is there what is the what is the strategy that I should be using if I really want to go kind of hardcore on diplomacy? I, I think the key is the first look at. What are what are the modifiers, and what's their opinion of you? There's a screen that will show you their like basically the rating of how they think of you, and then you can look at where you're up or down, and you can use that to target, you know, what you need to do to maintain it. Uh, I would probably start. Are you using envoy ships? See, I tried to send envoys to, like, I would get them to the point where theoretically they were at they weren't on a minus anymore. Um, and theoretically, I, I want to start doing diplomacy, but I would send an envoy ship over and they would just blow it up once I, uh, <laughs> once my truth, it, my flag it, of truth run out. This is actually a, one of the things about the diplomacy system that, that I kind of wonder about is that it's not like, because I always think of diplomacy as sort of being like the Civ model where it's like, you know, you just open up the envoy window and it's like, hey, what's up? You want to like buddy up and, you know, exchange technology. But Sins has a much more like, continual investment model of diplomacy where you can't just send one envoy ship you've got to send like five or six of this you've got to like there's a courtship an ongoing courtship that has to be maintained and it takes a huge investment for a relationship to finally get into the positive and actually stick there but but the difference is once you get there the benefits of being with your allies are vastly more complex and interesting than they are in most of those models i mean like i said i play mostly vasari and you know when when you actually manage to get somebody on your side, and you're swapping envoy ships, and you know the the mere presence of your fleet starts giving everybody bonuses and stuff. I mean that's really interesting strategic territory, honestly. Yeah. And and I I, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of what happens there. But it's I I I'm with you, Kat. It's a pain in the ass to actually get somebody on your side. If you actually get them on your side, however, all sorts of crazy cool stuff happens. So I should send like multiple envoy ships to uh, to one of the CPUs who have it, who don't have a negative modifier, and then just swap well, and, between and, the flag of truth and get them the trades, the, the all the different agreements, and get trade established, and 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 I they mean, won't it's, even. It's real yeah, I mean, my they I'm, won't even take packs from me. Like they, I can't even offer them a pack right now. And if yeah, I try I, to offer them a mission, or if I try to give them a mission, they laugh at me. They're not very nice. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to look at everywhere where you're deficient and 
basically try and knock those off and do everything you can. It, See, the they whole should be design- afraid of me because I'm the one with the you know the rail gun that can shoot across the universe. So you know, <laughs> well, some sometimes that can, that can like be part you. of the that might have helped. <laughs> yeah, that could be part of the problem. Like the approach I usually take on it is I'll research some of the text to kind of smooth things over with all the different races bribe the hell out of them into the point where they can actually, they'll, they'll have a ceasefire with me, and then I'll start sending out my envoys. But you gotta be real careful, because early on, I mean, if you, if you butt up, well, regardless of even just which race you're playing as, but if you butt up right next to somebody else's empire, start spreading culture, build a giant fleet, just sit right next to them, they're not gonna be big fans of you either way. I think, yeah. okay, I think the problem is that, and this isn't a problem, I think it's just that my mindset is so much in the original Sins of a Solar Empire where it's like, have to build fleet, have to get going right now, have to get established checkpoints, have to go, 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 go. Well, um, you, you still kind of have picking... to do that because if you just sit there, if you just sit around in a 1v1 game, the pirates come kick your well, ass pretty damn fast. Sort of. Yeah, but I, okay, playing it 1v1 is just the wrong way to play it, Julian. But no, <laughs> no. But, but, I, but I think... It's good practice. But I, I I think the broader point you're making there, Cat, is really valid. I think when I think when Sins first came out, it totally was, it totally did have that RTS thing where it's like, okay, you've just got to get, you've got to nail your opening, expand, take the right choke points, and then ride out to the mid game, and then hopefully close out the AIs. And it was it was a game that sort of like looked a lot like a four X, you know, a lot of exploration diplomacy, but that was really kind of I think superficial trappings at first. I feel by this point, and in Rebellion in particular, this no longer plays at all uh, like it did when it first came out, and it no longer really plays uh, like an RTS in a lot of ways. There's there's too much else going on. Has that been kind of like a a, a conscious objective, or is this sort of just sort of crept up on you as you added more nope. things that you wanted to say. Uh, there's a lot behind that. Um, I'll try and hit the main points just based on everything I've been hearing as well as your question. Um, we were never happy with the diplomacy system uh, in the original. Um, we knew that it was essentially a, you know, a very simplistic system that didn't have a lot of strategy behind it. Uh, so, and there were actually a lot of complaints from people are saying, you can't call this a 4X game and and whatever, and well, I'm like, yeah, I agree. The diplomacy is lame. So uh, when it came yeah. around to doing the, the second expansion, we wanted to make it an actual adventure or experience or uh, something you had to make choices and you had all these different influences and you you could play that in like it, almost as a parallel game to the military game, so that um, you know it was actually something meaningful. Uh, and here we were risking an entire product release called Diplomacy, and that's all it was, essentially. And it had to be interesting. And the other major components that I, I think that uh, are getting missed are that, first of all, it's a real-time strategy game that's trying to do Diplomacy. So we couldn't even look at things like Civ and whatnot, which are turn-based. There's some fundamental differences in how you have to handle it. And number two... We wanted it to be an interesting experience in multiplayer, not just against the AI. If it was an AI-only thing, we knew we were going to, you know, have a lot of unsatisfied uh, players. So trying to put all that together is ultimately what resulted in uh, the final version, which we don't think was refined uh, as well in the original release of Diplomacy, but 
you know, by the time Rebellion hits, I think it's in a really good spot. It's interesting, and there's a lot to do, and the rewards are high for for accomplishing uh, or going through all those steps. See, I think that quietly the most significant addition to Rebellion is the new goals, because I already know that the one thing that tired me out about the original Sins was having to destroy like every planet just going from each pl- from planet to planet to planet yep which yeah was you, the you just you would just you would just sort of give up you'd be three quarters of the way through the game you'd realize you had the steamroller and then you'd move on at least that's what i would do if i wasn't playing multiplayer. I, I would be playing the ai at like the second to the highest difficulty level and they would take over half the galaxy I was like, oh, and they would fortify the heck out of it because the AI is just obsessed with defense. And I'd be like, oh, I give up. But now, like, now I can actually nuke their homeworld and <laughs> with a homeworld victory, which is very nice. Um, but also, I love that you've added in like a diplomacy victory, um, a the ability to find the super special Masters of Orion two style homeworld. Um, things like that. I, I I really do feel like it kind of changed the game. I I guess the kind of the question that I have is why not? Why didn't you add the stuff in sooner? Because it feels like kind of uh, you know, like the thing that should have been in there from the beginning, right? Yeah. What were you? That was, that was that was a nice that was a nice <laughs> mix of compliments and meanness. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not trying. I, I'm just saying like um, uh, were you planning on having multiple objectives from the very beginning? Diplomacy, one of the great successes of that expansion pack was we realized how many people were interested in uh, different ways of winning the game because we had a, a version of the d- diplomatic victory at that point. And it was, we got a lot of great feedback on that. Um, and I think we were still resistant to adding more versions of the victory condition or more victory conditions because there's a lot of complexity in terms of balance and AI. And in the original design, those were just uh, risks that we didn't feel were necessary uh, for a successful title. Since it was our first title, uh, we had no money. We had just moved to a real office out of the basement, blah, blah, blah. And it, it just they just weren't essential. We're like, people like to blow stuff up. That's good enough. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's good enough. If it's, a, if it's a success, we'll move on to the other stuff. Now, we I don't think we re- really ever got out of that mindset until Diplomacy came out. Um, and Stardock, I think, are the ones who really pushed hard and you know really convinced us and actually took the lead on that aspect of the design. Um, so... You know, kudos to them for really pushing that hard and, you know, making sure that that stuff got in. Actually, could you get into that relationship a a little bit? Because, I mean, you know, we've got you on the show here, Chris, and, you know, at least in my mind before, uh, when you talk about Sins of a Solar Empire, like, you just really want to talk to Ironclad. Uh, What's the... what, what, What... is sort of the collaborative process with, with Rebellion. What does Stardock uh, contribute in in this expansion, and you know what's Ironclad's role? Yeah, yeah. There, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of overlap um, early on, and I, actually some of it um, Blair will be able to uh, give more exact answers on early in the development process because I've actually only been on the project for about the last six months. Um, 
But it's uh, early on, a lot of the design is a very, very collaborative process. With Rebellion specifically, um, Blair has handled a lot of the uh, graphics overhaul work, that sort of thing, um, while a lot of the content and design work on you know, ship balancing and that sort of thing has been done uh, at Stardock. It's, yeah, it's really hard to break it down. It's just kind of what Chris was saying. Uh, I don't think... I can imagine any two studios working more closely than we've worked, certainly not in any other companies I've worked at. And I have a lot of friends in the industry as well, and I don't think there's anything I can draw a, even a close comparison to. Yeah, it's kind of tough to say. Usually you can say like, oh, well, uh, you know, Stardock did this, or Ironclad did that, or this studio did this expansion, or uh, this part of the multiplayer half of the game, or whatever, and there's really not that clear of a split uh, with Rebellion or with any of the other uh, uh, Sins game or Sins expansions. So, we've gotten this far in the show, and we haven't talked about the giant spaceships. <laughs> there's giant spaceships oh, i'm so glad that you're bringing up the titans because oh my gosh every time i build one of those things um it's just like a kid in a play box i tell you i love them so much it's pretty I awesome. especially and i think my favorite one is actually the advent rebel um because i actually managed to so the game that i was playing and i actually tweeted this i tweeted this game I managed to, so I was like, I was in deep trouble. The CPU had cut my empire in half and were hitting along, hitting me along two fronts. And I was, I was like, oh crap, this, this is real bad. And I was, uh, my upkeep was way too high and I couldn't build a fleet and they were constantly hitting me, but they could not take down my Titan. My Titan was just absurdly strong. So I finally made a beeline for their home world and single-handedly and won the game with that like the titan was so strong that even their even a substantial fleet wasn't able to take it down um i don't know it felt a little overpowered i'm not gonna lie i mean that's the whole beauty of the titan though is that it always they all i mean all the ones that i've built so far which is i think three of them they've all felt like game winning i broke the game experiences i mean the first time I built that Vasari one, which lets you just instantly put a phase gate in, was, you know, and then I just managed to bring in every single ship I had in the universe, including all of my friends' ships, because I'd shared phase lanes with them. That was like, uh, it was amazing. I mean, it was just all of a sudden I was, you know, the Cylons taking out the last humans. It was beautiful. <laughs> um, and, and I think that all of them have that feeling. But, you know, the flip side of that is they take forever to build. You broadcast to the entire universe the second you start building the damn things. Uh, and they're absurdly expensive. They're, yeah, exactly. They're, they take your whole economy out for a, you know, a good half hour, pretty much. Uh, you know, so it's one of those things where it's, like, it's, a, it's a big last-ditch attempt to basically win the game by saying, I got one and you didn't. Yeah, and they also start really weak. They yeah, do? The- <laughs> yeah i mean they Not they they week. start compared to if if you go up against somebody who's built a high level titan with one you've just put out of the gate you're you're gonna get your ass kicked oh well, yeah survive. sure oh, yeah like, i mean or even a level one but, a level one cap ship versus a level one titan it's but no even contest. even the same thing if you if you get out if you just rush out your level one titan 
and you're going up against a fleet of decent caps or even a relatively well upgraded star base, those are always going to be close calls. So it's definitely the kind of thing where you you kind of have to nurse it through its first yeah. couple of levels, and then you can really start kicking yeah, ass. Yeah, I mean, you, you treat it like you treat cap ships, which is you don't send a level yeah. one cap ship off to, yeah. you, know, you, you go find a few pirates to beat up first, you know? Yeah. Uh, the feeling I get is that, first of all, especially when I'm playing the CPU, it's a race to the Titans, because the T- CPU is definitely obsessed with Titans, and they will build them, and so I feel like I have to have a Titan. So I go and get my Titan, and once I build a Titan and I get it to, say, level 5 or level 6, um, I'm just not worried about star bases or enemy capital ships anymore. Like, I just... I, I almost feel like the Titan renders them obsolete. Oh, boy. I, um, I, I would disagree on a yeah. number of fronts, just based on okay. my own ex- experience um, and, I, and I, how, I, how I know it's designed as well. But well, of course. Who, like, I, I, please, please tell me, like, what should I do with star bases to stop enemy titans that are at a high level? Well, the star base isn't going to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, I, I've it it it, it depends it, on how you know once you once you're up in you know six seven eight nine ten, then yeah, your uh, star base isn't going to do much. Uh, even but even at you know three four five. If you've got one that's fully upgraded and maybe you have a, you know, a, a decent support fleet or defensive fleet around there or some uh, repair stations and that sort of thing, it can put a pretty, pretty big dent in it where, you know, even if it does come out on top, you know, you send in a, a cleanup fleet and they just, they just, you know, take out the rest of the thing. Yeah, it, it really depends on what race, race it is and what Titan it is, but a general rule of thumb is it's a single point of power. What have they given up to get it? And three, pepper the crap out of it with bombers and stuff that it's not highly efficient at killing. Um, you know, those are three general rules that I kind of use. But it, it, again, it depends on exactly what they're doing and um, the overall strategic positioning of everything in the entire game. Um, that Advent Titan can take out like a large chunk of an enemy fleet with one, uh, with one shockwave. It's pretty shocking. It really is. Which is good, because I feel like the Titan is great for breaking stalemates. It's just like, wow. Well, or, Awesome. Or creating It's a star-based I mean, buster. Yeah. It, well, I mean, but the, the, the tech loyalist Titan is, like, one of the ultimate defensive weapons in the game. I mean, my first, my first Titan encounter was, I was, you know, just kind of rolling up some rebels, and uh, they deployed a... The, the Rebel Titan in the middle of the battle, which is basically like, you know, a giant shotgun in space. Yes, um, yes. And That's I was a like... Good, uh... Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I, I had a bunch of, like, level 5 capital ships and everything. I was like, okay, screw it. It's, it's a new Titan. I've got, I've got a, bunch of, a bunch of veterans. I'm going to go after it. And uh, it, it really... I mean, it still had a few friendly capital ships fighting alongside it, but it really quickly, like, devastated my force. And then it was time to, like, crash research the, uh, the, the tech loyalist Titan which is just all about, like, fleet support and sort of countering that offensive advantage. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I really like the Titans. I like that they can, you know, they can only be in, in one place, uh, you know, at a time, so you can always just sort of try to avoid the thing. I, I like the, you know, sort of high research cost of, uh, of building it, but uh, I, I, think in, I think in part I, what, what I maybe like the most about them, though, is just their giant spaceships that do awesome things. 
<laughs> Which, by the way, I'm pretty sure the, the uh, I'm pretty sure the design document for that uh, the Rebel Titan was uh, just a crayon drawing of a shotgun in space. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, uh, there, there's one, there's one thing I just wanted to a- ask you both about uh, because it's it's been so long since I played Trinity. Uh, the graphics seem a lot better than I remember. Uh, how much of that is just I'd forgotten how pretty Sins is, and how much of that is 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 new stuff? What what have you done differently with with Sins Rebellion from from a visual standpoint? A lot, uh, which it disheartens me when I read a lot of the the nasty comments on the web saying it looks doesn't look any different, and I'm like, uh, I can show you videos and screenshots that show radical differences. I just think a lot of those complaints are from people who perhaps, you know, they. They 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 didn't do the contrast, but anyway, yeah, I think they remember they remember it looking good in two thousand eight, and then they're like, ah, oh, it still looks pretty good. It looks about the same, but they don't make that yeah. connection between. Well, yeah, it's been four years, and it actually looks a hell of a lot better now. Yeah, basically, pretty well every texture in the game has been touched up or redone. Um, a lot of that work was on Stardock's end. Uh, in terms of uh, you know the shaders were basically redone for the ships. Um, we added a lot of new features that modern video cards are capable of doing easily, like anastropic stuff. Uh, I, I point out to that particular example because one of the big flaws in the original rendering was when you got up beside a capital ship and you looked down the length of it, the texture would look really blurry, and those were your epic, this is a big ship moment, and it looked all blurry, so we were disappointed. So when it came to time for Rebellion... Uh, we put in that that new stuff that uh, that allows you to look down the length of the giant capital ships, and even more so along the length of the giant shotgun in space, and you, it it just looks awesome. It's like it's like that <laughs> it's like that scene in Return of the or in the beginning of Star Wars where you're looking along the length of the underside of that star destroyer chasing the the Corvette. Yeah. In the in the original sins, that looks like crap. In Rebellion, it looks awesome. The the rebel the the tech rebel Titan is actually where I, like was was the first moment where I was like, you know, damn, this this looks a lot better. And I don't know what it is. Part of it, I think, is like, um, you know, just art direction. Like the 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 rebel Titan kind of looks like this welded together piece of shit. Uh, this just like all sharp edges, like sheet metal stapled together. It's just a giant, you know. It's just this it's giant crude to look weapon. Like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, which I actually I love that about the new Tech Capital ship. Though that's probably the one people say they like the least. But I think that one just it looks like this. No, I think barge. that's that's actually shows it better, right? I mean, the perfectly yeah. smooth lines of the Advent ships don't really capture what you guys have pulled off here. Right, and the lighting seems to play off it a little better. And I don't know, there just seems to be more like texture to the surfaces than there used to be. That was actually a huge of, job. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, too, like, it was all about, a lot of it came down to making, emphasizing the scale, and I was talking about the anastropic stuff that makes the textures look good on the angles. The other huge thing about scale is is, is shadowing and adding that, that, fixing up the stuff that shows the surface detail, bumps and whatnot. Uh, our primary goal there was, I want to see a whole squadron of fighters fly beside or above or below or whatever, a, a huge Titan and see all these little tiny shadows all over it. Just so you really get this idea that this is a monstrous being relative to something that you or, can relate or to. Or when you see like a, 
when you see like a fleet of really huge capital ships and then they all go into shadow and you realize it because it's a Titan just flew over that. Yeah, exactly. Just really drives home that scale. The other, we also, we reworked a ton of, um, a ton of the combat effects. Um, even some of the stuff like, you know, solar flares coming off of the suns and stuff like that. So, I mean, the game, the graphics have been remastered in a pretty significant way from the original sins. I think it's an interesting segue because I think one of the challenges I have with Sins, and obviously I'm a huge fan. I mean, Blair, this is probably the fourth time I've interviewed you, right? I mean, you know, I I, I love the series. I think you guys have have hammered out a niche that's really unique. Um, But one of the challenges I have in this game is like my son watched me play a little bit today. And I was, you know, he, he, most of the time I'm playing on the big strategic map. And so it's all icons and he's totally bored. And he's like, what are you doing? And I don't understand and whatever, which is fine. It's a big complex game and he's eight for God's sakes. But then he was like, oh, so this is a space game. I see the stars. And I zoomed in on a big fleet battle with a couple cap ships and stuff. And his jaw literally dropped, like it was straight out of a comic book, right? I mean, his jaw dropped, and he was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I was like, yeah, let me zoom in on one of the little fighters that this cap ship is sending out, right? Which is the smallest scale of the game, where it's those little fighters. And all of a sudden, he was like playing X-Wing versus TIE Fighter in his head, and it was like amazing. But on the other hand, none of that actually has very much to do with playing the game. I'm not playing that fighter. Um, I'm playing that cap ship to a certain extent in the sense that I'm saying what that cap ship does. And I'm, I, you know, if I'm really micromanaging, I'm actually doing a little bit of, of fine targeting of, you know, little groups of, you know, long range missile frigates or whatever. But for the most part, I'm playing a strategic game that's happening at a fairly abstract and, in my opinion, a beautifully abstract layer. Um, where do you guys think you fit? I mean, because I think that's a real challenge as part of, you know, this game is beautiful, but it's only beautiful if you bother to roll the mouse wheel forward. I think you answered the question. Um, we actually hear that complaint a lot. It's not really a complaint. It's more of an observation. Um, I love what you said about your son saying, you know, it's all of a sudden he's playing X-Wing versus TIE Fighter in his head. The key design that we've been going for is that if we can provide uh, some substance and the, the convincing argument that everything you're doing is being simulated and you could zoom in and see all of that, we're basically priming the player's imagination to imagine that when they're playing at the strategic or the slightly higher up tactical view, that everything, every decision they make has consequences and they can play out all of that in their head and they're imagining it. And part of what I love about all video games are the ones I like is that it, they help embrace my own imagine or encourage my imagination and allow me to immerse myself in that world and anything we can do to support that even if they're not playing like that 100% of the time is great it also makes um, for great youtube videos <laughs> yeah, most definitely in terms of the visuals have you looked at some of the visual mods like bale knight's mod which really it looked terrific especially with the uh especially with the pyrotechnics and the uh, the shooting. Yeah, it's definitely more of an anime feel, I would say. Uh, everything's more exaggerated and vibrant and uh, explosive in terms of uh, vibrancy. Uh, it, it, absolutely fantastic work. Um, there's, and I hope, actually, there's a lot of mods that had done some really fantastic work, and we're really hoping that um, they move some of that over to Rebellion and, you know, take advantage of a lot of the new 
graphical whiz bang technology that we've added and uh you know show their show their work to the next level as well i'm dying to know because we, we've talked about the the backstory that sort of informs these factions uh and if you go to like the sins of solar empire wiki it's like Dear God, like, people know a <laughs> lot about, like, where these people are coming from and what their philosophy is and all that. Uh, and, and, it, and it does, it does come through a bit during, it does come through a bit during the, during the game. Like, the fact that, you know, the, the, the names for each tech in the, in the tech tree is sort of gives you an insight into the race's character. Uh, just the way they play, uh, you know, it, it tends to be very different. But, you know, at, th- at this point, you know, you've you've got a a tremendous amount of, of background in this universe. Uh, clearly, you guys are are passionate about that stuff. Uh, you know, when you consider like, you know, when when you consider the Sins universe, do you ever think like, okay, you know, someday we're gonna do a campaign, or do you think about like other games you could do in the in the Sins universe? Like, you know, is, is this all just stuff in a story bible somewhere, and that's where it's gonna live, or do you think of ways to get it out there and into players' heads? I want it all out at some point. Uh, it's re- it's really just about what medium makes the most sense. Uh, we get a lot of offers to do Sims games on other platforms, for example, and crazy things like that, and most of them just don't make any sense at all. Like, Sims is such a unique beast. But then, you know, we often think, well, you know, what would it look like as an FPS or what would it look like under this or that? Uh, but really, I think it comes back to one of the earlier questions about what is the core of the Sins of a Solar Empire experience. And we don't, at this point in time, we really just don't want to futz with it, even if it means passing up all sorts of opportunities. That being said, you know, there are some interesting ideas being floated around here, and they may combine well with the core of Sins, but yet totally different actually i i can talk about one of them because it came up uh it came up in the last year or so and i did say something publicly but one of the free things we wanted to put out was you know how you can grab a fighter and you can kind of bandbox it and watch it zip around and stuff right uh i wanted to put out a you know a free or cheap dlc where you could actually zip into the fighter and control it in a wing commander style Obviously, oh, you'd be, I'm all you, about that. <laughs> obviously, it w- you would be very uh, vulnerable, but I think it would be a blast just to control it and f- do flybys on the giant. It would be uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're stuff. not going to do much good on the Titan, but it would still be. No, fun. I I just think it would be cool, and I'm like, you know, that really wouldn't be that much work. It's mostly artwork to draw the cockpits up and stuff, but all the physics, all the you know, all the stuff going on is already being done. In fact, it'd probably be cheaper because we don't have to calculate the AI on how the fighter is supposed to behave. So we'd probably be saving CPU cycles. So See, this yeah. is how I'm imagining this. Now I'm t- imagining my friend, telling my friend, all right, meet me at Deucalion. We're having a dog fight. It's on. Let's go. <laughs> I yeah. think that would be amazing. And yep. I'm all in. And just tell me where to write the check. Yeah, just let me t- yeah. let, tell me where to send the money. I'm in. Yeah. And a thousand fanboy fantasies were launched. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I've been dreaming about that, like something like that, since I don't even know a lo- how long. Since I've started playing video games, seriously. Since X since, since X Wing versus Tie Fighter. That's that was since that before was, I uh, was born. 
So really, you're just you are one DLC away from realizing the entire promise of the medium. So uh, you guys should probably <laughs> get, get on, on that. <laughs> my my next comment was going to be that wouldn't be very difficult given the current state of Sins of a Solar Empire. This the way that the code base is done and the way everything works. Imagine taking that to the next level where that actually is a meaningful part of the game. Uh, you know, and you get multiplayer going with it and maybe you jump into more than just fighters. Maybe you control sections of capital ships or Titan, or maybe you're actually... <laughs> and all of know, a sudden you sound like Derek Smart. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I know, I know. No, I but know, that's, good. that's great, though. Dream big. Yeah, yeah. But, Swing for the fences. <laughs> hey, we didn't do any of this yet. I'm, I'm just looking at... the. You know the possibility. So there we have it. It's confirmed. <laughs> to, to, tomorrow morning, you guys are gonna wake up, and it's gonna be like a one night stand that you instantly regret. Like, what the hell did we do? What did we say? My God, how did we walk this back? No, no, no. By the, the way, jump can, in the, can, can jump we use the, the fighter quote, thing? Is, is can not we use new. the quote "one DLC away from uh, realizing the potential of the entire medium" for future promotional purposes? <laughs> you can, you can absolutely do that. <laughs> Um, okay, so so as we you know as we wrap it up, I actually want to turn it back to uh, you, Cat, and and you, Julian. Uh, you know, so sins of a solar empire rebellion. We we clearly we we clearly are big sins fans. You know, where does what does what does this expansion do you f- do for you guys personally? I feel like it has completely revitalized a game that I had kind of put away. And stopped thinking about. I mean, I love Sins of a Solar Empire, but I felt like I had kind of more or less done everything there was to do. And I am definitely in a Sins mood. I think the most interesting changes, the most interesting additions were the new goals at the end of the game and the Titans. I cannot get enough of the Titans. <laughs> um, I still need to explore the factions some more, but. Right now, I really like uh, Tech Rebel because I like being able to sick pirate some people. <laughs> and I really like the Advent Loyalist. Yeah, was it Advent? No, no. Advent Rebel, I think it is. Because like, I like the Rebels. I am a Rebel. So it, it's, it's expanded a lot on the game. And I feel like Sins of a Solar Empire is closer than ever to its promise. And it's really uh, probably a, a good sign that after five years, I'm still playing this game pretty relentlessly. Yeah, I mean, for me, I would say, you know, I've always been a big Sins fan. I, I've always loved this genre. I've always loved space opera in every format, whether it's RPG or in the cockpit or grand strategy. So um, it's a genre that's very appealing to me. And for sure, yes. I mean, as Kat said quite eloquently, it's definitely revitalized the game. You know, sort of giving it a kick in the pants, but I think more than anything, it's 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 made a cohesive game out of what was for me starting to feel like a bunch of stuff they bolted on. Uh, no, no offense intended, Blair. Um, you know, now I sort of feel like they sort of rebooted it with all the best ideas bolted in, fine tuned, carefully play tested, and well balanced, and at the same time moved it from feeling like. Not quite a rock, paper, scissors, certainly not in any kind of like traditional Starcraft sense, uh, you know, rock, paper, scissors. But but the, the, the different factions now feel like they have a very different flavor. It's al- almost a little civilization like 
in that they have such different play styles and such different objectives that it's not so much a matter of, oh, they're playing X, so I should play Y. It's simply a matter of, I like the way this game plays out when I play Vasari Rebel or Vasari Loyalist or whatever. So I, I, I agree with Kat. I think it's definitely sort of a kick in the pants to a game that I think deserves to have a long, long history. And I cannot wait for whatever you guys have next. And gosh darn it, I've been waiting for the Titans since day one of Synth of Solar Empire. So it's so great. Um, whenever they roll off of the assembly line, I am ready to go to town. So Yeah, and I gotta say too, I just you know, I, I'm with Julian. Like, I, you know, where, where Trinity kind of left things for me was there were a lot of things I liked about it. There were a lot of cool expansion ideas. I don't know. Maybe I didn't play it after enough patches gone through or whatever. Uh, you know, but w- with Rebellion, it totally feels like now all those ideas that were sort of layered in are totally working together to full potential. Yeah. It's all a system now. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, and it's not like, like Diplomatic Victory used to kind of feel like this weird, like, uh, offshoot. Uh, path to victory now it feels totally woven into the main game and i'm sort of working with all these systems uh and i gotta say like you know I, I, every time you guys have released new expansion every time you guys have done something new with sins of a solar empire i've kind of wondered for a minute like boy they're you know they're kind of milking this thing right like isn't it time to be like you know sins 2 or something but i gotta say i i, I kind of like you know like not having to it, you guys would be better to speak about this than, than I would, obviously, but it, it sort of seems like you have been free to just make a good game better and better and better rather than just rather than just trying to kind of reinvent it for the sake of reinventing it so you can sell something with the number two on it. Has not having may has not having to make a you know a Sins of a Solar Empire two uh, freed you to just to just kind of iterate on on a strong foundation. Yeah, I would definitely say that's true. We're um, neither Stardock or Ironclad, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Like we're we're not going to push something out just to stick the two on it. It was okay. What kind of cool ideas do we have? Uh, what do our fans want? Um, are they interested in you know just an expansion? Uh, what kind of budget are we talking about? How much manpower do we have available? Um, what's Stardock and Ironclad's schedule? Uh, like, it, it's all of that together. It's a huge, complicated yes or no. And the one that just made most sense was to make Rebellion and really put a, an exclamation point on the original Sins of a Solar Empire and the expansions and pull it all into this really tight, unified uh, package that we can, we're all happy to put our name and sign our name to. Um, and it, it it had legs. It was still selling well, and everything fell into place. So it just made the most sense. Um, and both our companies, you know, we have other stuff in development as well. So you know, going full bore on a, a huge new title, uh, you know, it it would have been really difficult given all of our other obligations. All right, so. That about does it for our show. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us tonight, uh, Blair, Kat, and Chris. Thank you. As always, our thanks to our producer Michael Hermes, uh, who's got who's got a big job ahead of him. Uh, let me tell you, uh, this, is, this is this is a bigger podcast than normal. Um, 
a little bit chaotic, uh, but hopefully, uh, you know, Michael's going to use his uh, editing wizardry to make us all sound like the most articulate, urbane, and pro-motherfuckers around. We should uh, all talk <laughs> over each other right now. Yeah, abs- absolutely. <laughs> uh, I just want to uh, close it on just one simple yes or no question. Are we seriously going to be able to fly fighters someday in sins? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that. There's but a lot of can, stuff. Who can? <laughs> well, you know what I'm going to be dreaming about tonight. <laughs> All right. And on that note, say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thanks.